0: Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2
1: Church in Columbia, Missouri.
0: Today we're going to uh, talk about a subject that I, th- I think can immediately begin to affect change in our community, and I, kn- I know it can. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the uncommon family. But you know, human trafficking is, is a, a nightmare for so many young children and women, not only around the world, but in our own community. Human trafficking is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. It is the second largest criminal enterprise only to drug trafficking, but it's catching up. It's already surpassed arms uh, trading. This is a big deal. It's all around us. If you think that it doesn't affect you, if you think that it's somewhere far off, it's not. It's right here in our own community. And we support missionaries and ministries around the world and and in our community uh, that are helping to fight human trafficking. We support an organization called Free International based out of Las Vegas. They have a safe home here in Missouri that we help start. We help support it. Um, we, We support missionaries all over the world. We even participated in the emancipation of a young girl in India. And we monthly support her family and the ministry that they have to the slaves in the brick kilns in India. Isn't that amazing? And when you give your monthly missionary faith promise each month, you go to effect change. You begin that process. We support missionaries. We support these families. We support Teen Challenge right here in Mid-Missouri, a home uh, for mothers and their children. We're, we're bringing them at a point of uh, their most vulnerable mothers and their children and we're giving them a new life helping to break the cycle of addiction and then of course our freedom walk where our funds go to support central missouri uh, stop human trafficking coalition right here in in columbia and part of our funds today will also go to support project rescue in india and i'll show you a little uh, a little bit about that at the end of our time together this morning Maybe this morning, if you've got your, your smart device, your mobile phone, whatever you have, you'll blast out on social media something like this. I was adopted into hashtag freedom through Jesus. I'll spend my life for this cause. Hashtag the human right. You know, it's a human right to live in freedom, physical freedom. It is also a human right to have a clear and understandable presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that that is a fundamental human right as a church. And that's what we refer to as the human right to hear about the saving grace and hope found only in Jesus. James chapter one, verse 27 says this way, religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. The scripture addresses the two groups most likely to be trafficked, vulnerable children and women. Today we're going to address this topic by something that seems almost simple, foster care and adoption. These two ideas were God's ideas. In fact, he addresses this issue not only in that scripture from James we just read, but in the Old Testament commands. He talks uh, very practically about caring for widows and their children. In fact, it was a command. It was a law. And I think Christ followers of anybody in this world who should be leading the way in foster care and adoption, it should be us. We, the children of God. Listen to my terminology there. We are children of God. We have been adopted into his family. Each one of us is a child of adoption. Through Jesus Christ we are heirs to the kingdom of God. We stand to inherit eternity. Isn't isn't that something to get excited about? I don't know. I thought maybe it was kind of cool. But we have been adopted and we should be leading the way in this world for fostering and adoption. That song we sang already won. Christ has already done all the work, brought us into the family. In fact, Scripture says we were chosen before we ever chose God. When we were still God's enemies, he adopted us. He provided that way for us. I think that's incredible. And I think we should walk in this idea that we not only want to bring physical freedom, but spiritual freedom to people as well. In the Assemblies of God, our student ministry director from the national level, his name is Heath Adamson, says it this way, to only bring physical freedom without spiritual freedom in Jesus is just to introduce survivors to a different kind of hell. We want to do everything we can to rescue people, but we also want to rescue them into something else. And this morning, would you welcome my guests with us as we talk about foster care this morning. I'm going to introduce them here. You were just wondering why a bunch of people were sitting behind me they're my cheerleaders thank you guys I could I could feel your support I'm gonna start over here and have you guys introduce yourselves and then we'll work this way
2: we are Al and Rachel Howell we are house parents at Coyote Hill which is a children's home about 35 minutes from here Um, we have eight awesome foster kids our youngest is five and our oldest is
0: 16 awesome thanks for being with us this morning
3: Uh, My name is Danielle Dupree, and I'm a property manager here in Columbia, and um, I have two awesome foster daughters. (laughs) Um, I'm Brianna
4: Johnson. I teach first grade at Shepherd Elementary School, and I'm also a foster parent to two lovely ladies.
1: Yay. Hi, I'm Scott Montgomery. I'm the one up here on the stage that's not a foster parent, at least not yet. Uh, But I have been working in public child welfare now since the late 90s. Uh, I've had an opportunity to be on the front lines and designing some of our coordinated responses targeting um, human trafficking right here in mid-Missouri and also part of a federal strategic action plan that's in place right now that's a five-year plan uh, that has assembled all sorts of government agencies, law enforcement service agencies, public-private, all of all the above. Um, And then I also have an opportunity to teach child welfare at our university here at MU and School of Social Work.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You really are uh, on the front lines in terms of the systems of taking care of vulnerable and and children in need, working with Child Protective Services. Um, You kind of see the good and the bad of it all, don't you? Today, as we're talking about human trafficking, and many people are probably thinking, "Why? how do foster care and adoption tie into all this? Maybe you can help us understand that. Sure.
1: Um, You know, when you think human trafficking, when we first started uncovering what this looked like, we were looking at it in other countries. And then we started to to really identify it in America. And more importantly, we started to identify it in our own communities. Uh, We've actually had several different rings, and Missouri is one of the highest in the country in uh, busting human trafficking. Uh, We've got a a really strong coordinated response but a lot of the things that draw human traffickers to communities are some of the things we have right here Uh, and how this ties into foster care is that foster youth, runaway foster youth between the ages of about 13, 14 and 20 or so, uh, those are the highest uh, population of domestically trafficked children in our country and it really hits home when you consider the unique vulnerabilities that many of those children have. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that, that many of us may have grown up with, they did not. A lot of the things that, uh, that would already be almost like a deck stacked against Mm -hmm. makes them a little more vulnerable for this. And that's why it's so incredibly important and so awesome to be sitting up here with you all because you're really on the front lines of this. You're providing that connection. You're providing that heart and that hope and bringing healing to brokenness uh and i don't want to i don't want to get ahead of what you all are going to share but um yeah it 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 does matter and it does connect
0: and and the issue at hand is is those children who are vulnerable who are oftentimes homeless there something has happened to create that they're looking for love care they're looking for a place to to sleep for the night they're looking for food and are subject to these predators yeah
1: and and part of it too, is to really kind of broaden your understanding of what human trafficking is. It's sex slavery, it's servitude slavery, and it's labor slavery right and the broadened definition of human trafficking when with regard to sex specifically is anything promised, given to, or exchanged mm-hmm. in exchange for a sexual act That's a commercial sexual act that's human trafficking yeah
0: and you guys are on the front lines as Scott reiterated. Maybe share with us. We'll start over here. Why don't you guys tell us, Brian Danielle, how you guys got into fostering your passion and and, and where this journey began for you guys?
3: Well, um, Brian and I have been best friends forever, and um, we kind of had this dream of doing missions, and it was it was definitely God's call in our lives. But to do missions internationally in West Africa, and in 2009, I believe it was, we went to West Africa and saw a lot of. Um, human trafficking and it was heartbreaking there were you know 4 or 5 year old kids um enslaved working 12 to 14 hours a day um and so now we're back in the United States and we want to be there our hearts are there um but in 2013 God really started talking to my you know just talking to me and and telling me that I need to change my attitude. Because I was like, I need to be in Africa. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be paying off student loans. I just want to be there. Um, and it um, really took a took a heart change, because he, he really spoke to me about being intentional where I'm at. So in Colombia, um, I need to be the best that I can be here. I need to be his hands and feet while I'm here. And he started to lead my heart to a not-so-financially-responsible idea of fostering because you're taking... Obviously, I'm not paying off student loans. I'm taking in more kids and stuff like that. And so I I thought that it was totally impossible. I'm like, whatever. I can't do that. I'm a single woman. I live with a roommate, and that would be weird, and I'm sure that it's not even possible. Um, So in the summer of 2013, though, I brought it to Brianna. We were kind of having a talk, and... I said, I'm really afraid to tell you this, but I really want to maybe foster. What do you think about that? And Brianna, being the person that she is, it's very slow, slow to process and to come to a conclusion. She's like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And I was like, what? <laughs> I did not expect that. And um, she, it, when she jumped on board, I was like, okay, this is the Lord. All right, I just need to do it. And here we are. Here we are. Um,
4: My journey is a little little bit different. I mean, obviously the same, but um, I never really thought about foster care. I knew that I wanted to adopt, you know, when you get married and all that stuff, but that doesn't always happen the way that you think it will. So um, I never thought about foster care. And um, when in the fall of 2013, um, one of the great families in our church who always supports our um, vision for Africa, the minors, um, Miss Carolyn came up to me and Danielle after church and was asking us, you know, how's it going? What are your plans? How are you moving forward? It's great to have people check in on you if you have a big dream like that, because sometimes you get a little lost along the way. But um, during that conversation, she asked us if we ever thought about doing foster care, like working in a home in the United States. And the first thing that I thought was, no, I want to be in Africa. I think about Africa. That's what I think about. And, um, I mean, we laughed about it in the car later. I was like, wasn't that so weird? Why would we do that? And, um, you know, it's funny how God works because a few months later, here we are, Danielle sitting across from me at the table saying, let's do foster care. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, okay, let's do foster care. It makes sense for where we're going and um, for the heart that we have, and so that's where we are now.
0: Awesome, awesome, Alan, Rachel. What about you guys? How did you get here? What's your journey been like?
5: Yeah, so uh, like my wife said, we are at Coyote Hill. So about three years ago, uh, I was working there, so I was um, basically helping out with all the house parents, um, and during that time, I was wooing my wife and. Yes, it's a very old term, but I like it. <laughs> um, um, where was I? Oh, okay. So we and my wife, and then uh, we, left, we left there, and we got married in this church, actually. And in our receiving line, we're giving hugs. Yeah, congratulations. We had all uh, co- our Coyote Hill friends who worked at Coyote Hill. They came to our wedding. They said, hey, there's a position open. You should totally come be house parents. And I'm just laughing, like, no, no. No. <laughs> We just got married, uh, I don't need kids right now, and that was kind of our plan, uh, to not have children. Um, we went to camp that summer, and just God laid it on our hearts, that this is what we need to do. There's a missionary who just talked about stepping out of your comfort zone, and this was definitely out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but five months later, we, we got lots and lots of children, and I guess the rest is history.
2: We were on the two-year plan of being kid-free without uh for for the first two years of our marriage and just really enjoying that time and growing as a couple and doing what we could for God during that time and he had other plans. So we um we got a call a little less than a month into our marriage of asking us to apply for the house parent position and so how often do you get called for a job and so we we um obliged and applied same with our first interview had no interest we our, our plan was to say no if they ever offered it to us but we should go right and um, we went to camp and a week after camp we had our second interview and accepted that same day and we... You really
0: don't know how to stick to a plan. We
2: (laughs) We don't. We're bad at it. We In fact, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary on Monday, so we're uh, really bad at it. Um, We went five months without kids, and and I shouldn't be surprised. I was uh, in eighth grade and spent five months in foster care myself and was in five different placements during that time, Hmm. and... um, I had two consistent people. My my parents were not them. They were my social worker and my uh, small group leader from K-Life. And uh, that was the year that I decided that I was going to be a social worker and I was going to be involved in ministry. And I am both. I got my master's from zoo and we are doing ministry.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are. You are doing ministry for sure. And... We've talked a little bit about um, the difference you guys are making. Maybe share with us some of of the things you've observed, the difference you're making, the joys, the challenges of of fostering.
2: So I think the best way to illustrate our differences is is through telling about our kids. And um, the biggest difference I think that we can make is sharing God with our kids because that's Mm -hmm. eternal. That's an eternal difference. And, um, a lot of our kids come to us having no faith background or different faith backgrounds. And, um, one of those kids is our 16 year old. And we were, um, driving home from youth group a couple months ago and asked her, you know, Hey, would you, do you consider yourself a Christian? Where are you at with this? And, well, yeah, like that was a stupid question. And so um, I asked her what what changed, what what's different? Because when she came, she identified, um, she grew up in a Native American household culture, and, and that was her faith. That was where she was comfortable. That was what she knew. And um, made it clear to us in the beginning that that was a boundary that wasn't going to be crossed, and so we didn't. Um, but we did, and um, I part asked of the play her. <laughs> so, so I asked her what changed, and she hmm. told me, "I know your God loves me back. I wow. know that your God cares." And uh, there were tears, and hmm. you might not know that, but there were, and. <laughs> um, Only God makes those differences. Only God softens those hearts and ministers to these kids. And we have the incredible honor of being the people that he uses.
0: That's awesome. Can I tell a little story? Sure. All right. (laughs) We
5: had a, a little boy, we'll just call his name Timmy. And this boy was eight years old. So when he got angry, he would kick and punch and bite. And I could probably stick my hand out and just hold him there and he'd be swinging um, but he's just very, very angry and violent. So one day when I redirected him for something, he just took out the door, just, just running. He was going to run away. Uh, so I grab my shoes and I'm just kind of slowly jog, jogging behind him and his little like. Doo, 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 doo. So he is running as fast <laughs> as he can and I'm just slowly, casually jogging and he ends up losing his shoe. Um, so I run up, jog up to the shoe and I said, Hey, Timmy, Timmy, time out, time out. And then he looks back at me and he's like, are you doing? He's <laughs> like, I'm going to throw you the shoe and you're just going to keep on running. So I did that. I threw him the shoe and he just keeps on running. I eventually catch up to him and just slowly keep running wherever he wants to go. Um, that night we, we just talked about his choices um, and just process with him about things. And he asked, hey, can I watch Netflix? And then I asked him, do you know what grace is? And he said, no, I have no idea what that is. And I was able to tell him the story of Jesus, the whole story of Jesus, and relate it um, to him and his situation. And, you know, we, we watched a movie with him that night, even with the, the really rough night that he had. And then two weeks later, he was able to tell somebody else what grace was and tell them the story of Jesus. And, it, like, God uses that really, uh, I can't say crappy up here. So, um <laughs> What I just did Uh, (laughs) He used that situation for his good, and that's that's amazing.
2: I guess to finish that story, he was in the counselor's office and got angry and just completely cleared her desk, knocked everything on the floor, and um, he kind of stared at her for a little while, and you're not going to do anything? No. And he sat there for a little while. That's called grace. Al taught me that. Hmm.
0: That's amazing. You guys are giving them unconditional love. You're giving them consistency, which you've told me a lot of them come from background where there's no consistency, whether it's hopping to foster cares or just the different circumstances of their life. And I, I think that's so amazing. Now, your, your placements tend to be longer term. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Right? And I know that's that's part of the challenge is... They they might be taken away or, or placed back in the home, where you guys you know some of, most of your placements are are going to be more temporary. What are the joys and challenges in in your circumstances? Me first again. Okay. <laughs> um,
4: I would say that it's probably a lot of the times like any parenting experience. Your joys are the times that you get to build memories together. Doing The first time, you get to go swimming somewhere or the first time, you ride a four-wheeler. And it's really fun and you're laughing so much. And building those memories are some of the joys um, that we've shared so far. We haven't been foster parents very long, like maybe three months so far. So um, those are a few of the joys that we've experienced this far. Um, Some challenges can be learning how to help kids through their pain and through the things that have happened to them and knowing how to talk to them about that or having the wisdom to lead them through that. So that's the hard part, but that's the hard part with any kid when they go through their hard situations. It's just maybe more extreme in some circumstances.
0: And you have to help. You're still working with their biological yeah. So you have the challenge of, Mm -hmm. of being kind of in the middle of that sometimes.
4: Yeah. Um, Part of what is a little bit different about me and Danielle sometimes as foster parents, a lot of people go into it for adoption, and there's not a lot of um, biological parent involvement. But what we want to do is we really have a heart to see families united because we know that families are important to God, Mm -hmm. and so that's important to us. And so we try the best that we can to build relationships with our kids' parents and let them know that... We know that they're the parents, and we love them, and they, we want their family together. Um, and so we help support them any way that
3: we can.
0: Awesome. What about you, Danielle?
3: Um, some of the joys that we see are, you know, like Brandon says, just like the times where they're just truly, like, laughing from their gut. That's just one of the best sounds ever. Um, hmm. We work with... One of our goals is to affirm the girls and who they are. Um, and so I play a game with them where I say, you know, hey, you know what? And little one will be like, what, what, what? You know, like, oh, it's a secret. I'm like, guess what? You're beautiful. And we go on, and she's like, hmm. Um, guess what? You're smart. You're a princess. You're strong. And um, there's, you know... There's just, sometimes there's an eye roll, and it's like, whatever, Danielle, be quiet. But sometimes there's like a smile or a little side grin that, you know, is tried to, tries to be hidden. Um, but it's just been a really, a pleasure to see those words of affirmation of who they truly are sink in, and um, just to see them come into that confidence that they are special, they are smart, and they're strong. Um, some of the more difficult things, um, we work full-time. And it's hard uh, coming home to, like, it, sometimes work feels like a resort. Um, like, I'm so excited. And then, you know, some days I, ha- I have anxiety coming home. Like, oh, Lord, please let it be a good day. Um, so it's just that day-to-day struggle. Um, you know, we're working parents just like you guys, a lot of you are. Um, so it's difficult
0: I love that idea that this is so much how I think the power of words the scriptures say our words have the power to, to bring life or to bring death and you're speaking life and you're speaking truth and you're undoing some of the things that uh, their, either their homes or just circumstances of life have taught them One of the joys we've had recently is celebrating with you guys the water baptism last week of one of your kids. How awesome was that? And I think all of us here were just so proud and a little verklempt.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, In my life of awesome things that have happened to me, it's getting married to this beautiful woman and baptizing my daughter. Um, Her life has just totally changed from where she was to where she is now. And that is not us at all. That is God. And we are so thankful for that.
0: In, in our last few moments together, what's uh, something you would say or maybe a challenge you'd give to our church regarding fostering and, and their participation? <coughs>
5: um, I would say um, we have a lady in our church. Maybe she's here. Marlis somewhere. Raise her hand, Marlis. Somewhere. Okay, she's here. Uh, <laughs> First service. First service. Okay. Uh, well, Marlis has came out so many times. It doesn't matter uh, how young you are. You can help. You can uh, foster. You can adopt. You can volunteer. Like Marlis, she comes out and volunteers. Uh, Floyd, you can raise your hand. I see you. <laughs> um, Floyd has came out to our home and just made us so many gifts with uh, just the skills that God has given him with wood and with his hands. So you guys can can do things. if If you feel this tugging on your heart for children... Like, it's not Satan telling you to go foster a kid. He's yeah. not going to do that. <laughs> okay? This is God telling you to do something. And like they said, it, it doesn't have to be children. There's so many uh, organizations and different things, but our children are so important. Hmm. Um, so just get out there and, and do it. Do what God's asking you and calling you to do. That's awesome.
0: Ditto, Rachel. Is that Ditto. Awesome. What about you guys?
3: Um, I would say, um, I said it in first service and I'll say it again because I think that it rings true. Um. We're two females, and we're, be, we're providing, like, God's mother heart to, to our girls. Um, but they're, they need that, um, that male role model in their life. They need to see a man of God step into their life and be words of encouragement and to bring that to them um, I think it's really important. God's heart is, is he has a father's heart. That's and when you men are stepping in and saying hey to our girls or you know just loving on them and you know being encouraging to them, it means the world to us because we can't provide that. Um and it means the world to them. They we have great fathers and great brothers who have stepped in. And are providing that. But this is our church. You guys are a family. And it's such an encouragement to see you guys do that.
0: Awesome. Bree?
3: Um,
4: When I thought about that question, um, I thought a lot about the same things that Al did. If you can foster, don't think that you can't. Because Mm -hmm. we thought that. But you can. Um, If you're single, if you're young, um, it doesn't matter. If you're older, you can help out too. So if you can it's necessary. There are lots of kids who don't have placements. Um, lots of kids, a s- bunch of kids stacked up in a house because there's not enough people mm-hmm. to provide um, a home for them. So that's a really important need. But there are also lots of other organizations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Just offering a couple hours to mentor a kid once a week mm-hmm. is really really helpful for them. They are so excited about it. Um, Rainbow House, um, both of our girls were at Rainbow House for a little bit, and um, they loved it there, and um, if you could bless them in any way, I know that that would be uh, amazing for the kids there. Awesome. So any any way that you can find, churches do drives all the time.
1: Awesome. Scott, what about you? Well, it, you know, I said this in the first service, but I think it kind of comes back to Scripture, that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Hmm. And right now in the state of Missouri, you have anywhere from about 115 to 135,000 hotline calls that are received by your child welfare system. Out of that, about 70,000, right close to 70,000 hotline reports go to field offices around our state. 7% of all the children involved in those 70,000 hotline calls wind up in our foster care system at some point or touch Mm -hmm. it. And what you had mentioned about uh, the transition during your time and your experiences... That's all too common. In -hmm. fact, if children are in foster care for longer than about 10 years, they usually have anywhere upwards of 16 different placements. Wow. And so this notion of a forever home, of permanency, of of a connection, of maintenance of their identity and the integrity of their culture Mm -hmm. is so vitally important, the sense of self and who they are and where they're going. And, Danielle, when you talk about speaking life into the child that's Mm -hmm. in your home, reminding her who God created her to be, it's so much like Jesus talking to Peter when he was sifting sands, Peter, saying, no, you're a rock. Yeah. I'm going to build a church on you. Yeah. And you're, you're reminding them, no, you are beautiful. You're wonderful. It's it's so incredible when you see the scriptures come alive in the form of a family. And that notion of, of opening your hearts and your homes. Uh, one of the best ways I've heard adoption described, when a child asked a, uh, a parent once, Similar to Nicodemus asking Jesus, How can I be born again? Mm-hmm. You know. The child says, How can I be your child when I came out of this other person? The response was, Well, you weren't born from my womb, but you were born in my heart. Hmm. And I welcome you to a forever home where you never have to worry about going anywhere ever again. That's awesome. That's about as close to solid this side of heaven as we get. Yeah. That's gospel. It's gospel. And and one of the things we talked about is is <clears throat> We,
0: the community, can't see these kids as, as write-offs. No, they're the delinquents. They're the, they're the problem kids. They're the trouble kids. These are God's kids. They are hurting kids. Uh, they carry a lot of, of pain and, and, and hurt with them. And so we would do well as a community to, to pray for those children, pray for these families. Um, you know, I, ha- I have a, a friend who's adopted, and his, his mom described it this way to her biological kids, she said, I have to take them. I chose you. <laughs> Can you give our, right. our guests a round of applause this morning? <clears throat> it was just over 40 years ago that an infant was adopted uh, by a, a couple. And uh, two years later, uh, this couple divorced and the, the child... Uh, it was taken by her mom, her adoptive mom. Her adoptive mom a couple of years later got remarried to her now stepdad who in her words was a was a terrible man. But it was through that experience that her mom went to, started attending church and experienced a, a radical life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and from that moment on she began to attend church and she became a, a child of faith. At age 13 her her stepfather passed away, and just two years later when she was 15, her mom died of cancer. At 15 now, her adoptive father doesn't want anything to do with her. She goes to stay with her mom's mother, her grandmother, her adoptive grandmother, who, not handling the death of her own daughter very well, turns to alcohol and becomes an alcoholic. This was the cause of a lot of... uh, problems in in that house now when it got really bad she'd hop in the car that her adoptive father had given her as sort of an appeasement gift of you know here just don't come to my house she said she'd get in the car and drive for hours she was living in the city of San Francisco her grandmother went to the youth pastor of the church she attended and said I can't do this anymore it's not going to work out will you take her Or do you know someone who will take her? You like those words? The senior pastor found out and was in the process of hiring a new associate pastor to their church and asked him and his wife if they'd be willing to take this almost 16-year-old kid. They were an uncommon family. A couple with a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and two 6-year-olds taking on a teenager. And they said yes. Yes. And here are her words about that. Prior to joining the Reisner clan, I didn't really see much of a future. I was so lost in grief over the death of my mother. My relationship with my grandmother was deteriorating because of alcohol. My dad didn't want me but still wanted the status of father and my other family told me I could remain in the family if I left my faith behind, which I didn't. And as a result, they quickly abandoned me. It's hard to say where I would or could have ended up if our paths hadn't crossed, but God had a plan. I just know that being part of your family had a profound effect on my life because of the unconditional love I was shown by all of you. My faith was strengthened. I was strengthened. My ability to trust was strengthened. There was safety and security in being part of a healthy, God-led family. I'm just so grateful that Mom and Dad took a chance. On a broken, scared teenage girl some 32 years ago. I'm forever grateful. That's my sister's story. Thank you. You'll never know the difference you can make in the world by just affecting change in one life. My sister's now been married for a long time, has two wonderful kids. This morning, church, we can affect change through the freedom walk, through fostering, through adoption. And we're gonna pray for those families today. We're gonna pray for our foster parents on stage. And I'm gonna ask in just a moment if you are currently a a foster parent or maybe you're an adoptive parent and are able to uh, recognize that this morning. I know there's some situations that maybe you won't be able to stand, but if you are, in just a moment, we're gonna pray for you. Church, we're gonna pray that that God provides them grace and wisdom. And we're gonna be part of that family. And we can affect change in this community. And I know God is talking to some of your hearts right now and I encourage you, don't push it away. Don't say someone else. I'd love for you to talk to one of our friends this morning or throughout the next few weeks. You've got 5,000 kilometers to walk, right? Isn't that what a 5K is? Not 5,000. That would be a lot. That would be like around the world. But if you feel God calling you to walk that far, by all means... All right, moving on. I'll, I'll stick to preaching and not math. Huh? But I'd love for you to talk with them as you walk today, and, and maybe God would inspire you to take another step of faith. But if you are a foster parent, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. If you're a foster parent or adoptive parent, we'd love to pray and honor you this morning as well. Would you stand? Church, would you stretch out your hand towards these families? Pray, your, uh, pray God's grace and wisdom on them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you see these families, uncommon families, and I pray, Father, you'd give them an uncommon grace, an uncommon love, ability to love beyond their own. Give them wisdom beyond their own years and education. Father, grant that their house would be a, a harbor, a place of safety for all who would enter. Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, to the hearts of those this morning are feeling that tug, I pray you would ordain the next step for them. Throw open wide the doors to step into fostering or adoption. Father, again, call us all to take another step to effect change, to live out the gospel in a real and tangible way in our community and around the world. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com
1: or visit us at c2church.com.